cube. I guess there's different rooms for Parkwood Green and there's different rooms for CLF. Um, so, the topic for today, I'm going to be sharing like I started the introduction last week on the love of God. And the first two lines of that song, the love of God that I shared last time, is, is the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. So, I'm not going to do any justice to, to sharing about the love of God. I'll do my best. I'll give it my best shot. But I'm sure that it's far greater than what I could ever express or say or show from up here. Um, the verses that we'll be reading a little bit is in 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 21. But you can read most of them in your own time. There will be a few little things that I'll be showing you that might interest you and that you might be able to do in your spare time at home. So if you want to get your phones and take a photo of of some of those slides, that'll be um, that'll be good. I actually don't want him there yet. No. That's all right. Leave him there. He'll be waiting for a little bit anyway. So I, I'm going to say something, and and this my sermon will be based on this the whole sermon, and that God loves you not because of who you are, but because of who He is. So God loves you not because of who you are, but because who he is. And I think that we get this the wrong way around. I think that we think that God loves us because of who we are. And that is something in our mind that has to change. A little bit of adjustment in our mind, in our mindset. And I'll share many examples along the way to hopefully try to make you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say. His love is uncaused and unceasing. And we're going to have three points that we're going to be looking at. The first one is that we must be certain of his love. We each must be certain that he loves us, that that love is for us, for us as individuals, and for us as a whole, for us as a community, for us as humanity. It's important for us to know. Point number two is enjoy the blessing of his love. And third and very important is to give his love away. Now, when we talk about love, and it's probably not a really difficult topic to talk about because everyone is looking for love. And it's around us everywhere, every day, in the music that we sing, in the movies that we watch. Love is a very common spoken word. Do people really understand it? I'm not sure about that. But the desire is kind of woven into our fibre of our being, in our DNA. And we all need to love. We need to be loved. We need to give that love. We need to express that love. And I'll be sharing a little bit on what happens when we don't and when people are miserable and when they don't express or show any love towards anyone else. And if everyone has the same need, then there must be a universal solution. If that is, everyone has the same need, if we all have that need to be loved and to want to love, to express our love, then there must be a universal solution. And that solution, I believe, is in God. That is the only solution, is in God. And um, John says that love comes from God and God is love. We all heard that and we know that John writes that. Now, coming to this slide, how many of you heard of Blaise Pascal? Oh, wow. Surprise! A few. Well, more than what I thought. 
Okay, so he is a very interesting fella. What has he um, um, invented? Does anyone know? Before he became a Christian, he invented. His mum died at a very young age. It's a fascinating story. If you go read about him, read, do a little bit of research about his life, it's quite fascinating. But the next photo will show you what he invented. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Who's got one of those at home? Come on. I got one of them at home. Now, who's got one of them at home? That's right. Who's got one of these at home? You don't use them anymore? 500 years ago, he developed the calculator. Pretty clever fella, hey, wouldn't you think? At the, at the age of 18, he, he made a model, 20 models, and by the age of 26, he hadn't developed that day. He got recognition for it, was already in function and working order. His um, dad, he was home taught, so he's, he was homeschooled by his father because his mother died fairly young. And, um, and when he was 12 or 14, he, um, he was so clever and so... Um, as a mathematician, that he was sitting on a board, the equivalent of a board in France, um, like at a university where they would sit down and make decisions and talk about complex um, developments that they had at the age of 12 and 14. By the age of, I think, I think fairly young, his dad passed away or he was very ill. And then he... he they, the only ones that could find some healing for his dad or give him medicine, some of this information is not going to be a million percent correct, but it'll be pretty close to the to the mark. So when his dad was ill, there was two um, brothers that they felt that they were the only ones that could find or, or give him any relief and healing, and they were some two Catholic priests that were reformed. And when so he started being very interested in theology and by the age of 31, he died at the age of 39 and at the age of 31 he writes that he had an encounter and something that changed his life. He no longer wanted to write anything, he wanted to stay away from anything that would develop and give him um, recognition so he switched off and he just wanted to serve God. And um, But the main reason I'm sharing is because he said something that is very and, and that's why I done my research on him is because he said something that I'm sure that a lot of us have heard. You've heard this phrase being said before. And that is that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God, the Creator made known through Jesus. Have you heard that statement before? No? So there, it's like there's a vacuum inside humanity. And he was also, part of his studies, he developed the vacuum and also the... Um, like hydraulics with oils and pressure. So he was, he, that was part of his development as well, and the vacuum cleaner. But he acknowledged that once he, that that's really what we have inside us is this vacuum that can only be filled by God. And I think that if we understand that and if we believe that, then we know that every human being has the same need, doesn't he? Every human being out there has the same need, has this vacuum inside them that they just don't know. So we know, and that's why we've opened up and we've accepted God into our hearts and we accept it through Jesus Christ. But it was because of that 
um, vacuum that we had inside us that we needed God and his love. Now, can we go to the next slide, please? Um, this is just something else about this fellow. He was, apparently he was the first person re- reported wearing a watch. I never knew that, but apparently he put a pocket watch on his hand and he tied it with some string. Pretty clever, hey? <laughs> Anyone could have done that. Um, I, I like also what he what he would like to um, talk about. They put, they said that he went into um, religion, and um, he he said that he would like to contemplate the greatness and the mystery of man. Misery, sorry, the misery, yeah, mystery, misery. Can we have the next slide? This is the quote that I mentioned before. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, may know one through Jesus Christ. And finally, the last one about um, Pascal. He also propagated a religious doctrine that taught the experience of God through the heart rather than through reason. So rather than just theologically or through the mind or people trying to figure him out, that he, so he started talking about relationship with God 500 years ago. And he he identified that that's um, that's where some of those teachings that obviously at that time there was a lot of Catholics around and that that's where kind of their their, their stream is being um, a little bit it's gone off stream so it is very the love that God has for him or has for us and his love is spontaneous it's and I think that we cannot, we cannot demand it, we cannot earn it, we cannot win it, we cannot bribe God for the love that He has for us. And some of the story that you that you can find a bit more about Him is that how He became a Christian too, and it wasn't only about His dad's death, but also He had a very close to death experience that He believed, and He believed that God sped Him from that. So I think that we need to understand that the source of love is God, according to John. The God is love, and His love for us has nothing to do with who you are, because He has chosen to love you. He has chosen to love me. So it's not who you are or what you do, but because of who He is. We cannot earn it. We cannot win it. And He does. He does not love you because of or of the individual that we are. And a good example is the prodigal son. You know, if you think of the prodigal son, if you think that we're loved more than the person across the road there because we're Christians, because we accepted Christ, remember the prodigal son story? Where the prodigal son, he, he goes and he, he spends everything. He, he just leaves home. He wants nothing to do with his dad. And then he's coming back and his dad throws his party. What does his son, his brother say? He feels like he's not being loved. How can you love him more than what you can love me? Look what he's done. He's gone into, you know, being around and he drank everything and he's been with prostitutes and I've been a good fellow, I've been a good Christian, I've stayed here. I've been serving you. I've been on a mission. I've been doing all the things that you wanted me to do. And now you throw a party for him and not for me. And his father said, have you with me all the time it's time to celebrate to rejoice because he's come back 
something is we must be certain of his love. You've got to be certain of his love. I'd like for us to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And he says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? What can separate us? Sorry? Nothing. That's right. Can we have the next slide, please? Actually, it just means nothing. I tried. All right, thank you. It actually means nothing. But he wanted to, to the writer wants to make sure we understand. And he's saying nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, he's stating some things there that are, You'd think that maybe they can separate you from the love of God. Angels? Angels can't separate you from the love of God because they are from God. Unless they're not God's angels. Demons? Demons can't separate you from God. No matter what they do, no matter how evil they, they, they'll turn you out to be, you, you will never be, you can't be separated from the love of God. Because we are created in his own image. He breathed his spirit into us. He breathed life into us. Not even angels nor demons can do anything about it. Not even the future, not even the past. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So you've got to be certain of the love of God. fact he loves us while we were still sinners he loved you the same while you were still sinner to what you are now loves you the same loves me the same Romans 5 8 says for God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were all still sinners he died for us not once we've accepted and once we acknowledge that he is Lord and that he's Lord over everything and that we accepted him then he died for us no we need to be confident in life today not because we love him but because he loves us sometimes we've got that around yeah I said it before that we think because we love God and we have this relationship for him we need to we feel confident we need to be confident because he loves us because he loves you and you are precious and you he treasures you. God showed his love, how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That we might live through him. Another scripture says another translation that we might live through him so he sent his son to die that we might live through him and imagine for this moment that that is going to be forever that's for eternity that's not for now that's not for the next two years that is forever there's very few things that you can say that is for eternity that it goes on forever but the love of God does go forever.
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. A lot of times we have fear, don't we? And that's when the demons, and that's when Satan tries to rob it. Who sometimes has fear? I think everyone should have their hand up, right? We all have fear, one sort or another. We all struggle with that. And that's when the enemy is quite happy about things, when we have fear. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, children of God. That should give us confidence. You know, that no Christian should walk around looking miserable because we have confidence, because we have one that has purchased us for a price. We'll be talking a little bit more about value and the value of things. Lucado said, God's love never ceases, never. Though we spurn him, ignore him, reject him, despise him, disobey him, he will not change. Our evil cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our evil cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our stupidity jeopardizes it. God doesn't love us less if we fail or more if we succeed. God's love never ceases. So knowing we didn't do anything to earn God's love means that we we do not need to live in fear of losing it, does it? If we didn't earn it, we can't lose it. So why live in fear that we might lose it? If we didn't do nothing to gain it, how could our performance or lack of it lose it? Jesus knows everything about us. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows every part of you. And yet he still loves us. He still loves you. And he still loved the prodigal son. He knew all about him. He still loved him. So we need to enjoy that freedom. Edmund Chan, he's a... um, pastor of a church in Singapore, he wrote, you're nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. Sometimes we feel that we need something to prove. As Christians, we need to prove that we're better Christians or better than someone else or, or someone is better than me. I need to, there's no competition. We don't need to prove anything. So we need to know that we are loved and then we need to enjoy the blessing of his love. Many are not enjoying being loved because they're still trying to prove that they are worthy to of that love, that they're worthy of that love. We're not worthy of that love. None of us are worthy of that love. We need to believe God's word and enjoy it. I've, um, I've highlighted some of these words and this is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Now, the only explanation I have is, you know when you write a card, when you're writing a card for somebody, I don't know about you, but 
some of us ride it or think about it or, or re-ride it. Depends how important this card is. You might ride on another bit of paper and then re-ride it. And for the Apostle Paul to write this, you, you would have thought that a lot of thinking would have had to gone into this and he would have rewritten it 10 times these two verses to get it right or 20 times or 50 times to get it right. Or could it be that the Spirit of God just inspired him and he just wrote it right the first time? Depends what your faith allows you, hey, to believe. Hey, you have your own conclusion to that. I don't have an answer to it. But I've highlighted some of the stuff that we have here. Oops, sorry. Oh, here we are. So first he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide. So I've highlighted here about the love of God, about how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of God, of love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Could you, you can all understand that and we'll just move on, yeah? <laughs> he just goes over the top. There's so much in there. So we'll break it down a little bit. And here he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, so you're already established in love. We're already established in love. We are in love because of Christ Jesus. May have power together with all the saints, that you may have power together as a family, so together with saints. He's not excluding that we're little islands everywhere, but we're all united, that we work as a church, that we work as a community, to grasp, to kind of understand, try to understand that deep love that Christ had for you. That we together may be able to understand that love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's beyond knowledge. Your mind, your, your, your mind, my simple mind cannot comprehend that. So here he's asking and he's praying that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To be able to grasp, to understand the love. There's no way that we can measure how much God loves us. It requires divine revelation to know his love. And you know, in, in a lot of times, it's those personal moments that you have with God that you feel that he's speaking to you, that he's demonstrating his love to you. And you, you might end up in tears or you might just have... And a lot of the time, is on your own when you're having that time alone with God. And that's why it requires divine revelation to know his love. When you think about it that way, think about your friends that don't, have never had that divine revelation. You know, those that are called, that are called by God, that are shown mercy by God, it is because of that divine revelation that people experience the love and that void inside them. But who's going to demonstrate that to them? Maybe us. Maybe us for just the hillside region or for some of the neighbours here. comprehend to understand or struggle to comprehend God's love because of human experiences and 
again, the prodigal son, his brother failed to comprehend that his dad could love him the same because of human experiences, because of the experience that he had, that his brother had, he shouldn't have the same love towards him. We've been conditioned, haven't we, through our lives to measure love by what we do and how well we do it. We've been conditioned to measure the love. And our loves are always conditioned by if and because. I love you if you do this. Kids are the best at that, aren't they? Someone said, yeah. I love you, mum. Can I have these? You heard that before? Yes. Patty, it's not no, it's yes. Kids want, uh, they're very well, very selfish little beings. So, so, but we have been conditioned that we love if you do this or because and you don't love me because you have, you're not doing this for me or you must not love me. So there's always conditions that we put, but yet God doesn't have any condition. He loves us unconditionally. We need to convince ourselves that we are loved despite our failures, despite our sin, despite our bad looks, despite our bad habits, that we are loved unconditionally. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What more does God have to do to show you that he loves you? When we truly believe that we are loved and accepted, we no longer have to strive to make good impression or try to point, score points with God. You are always highly favoured, deeply loved and forever blessed. So enjoy it. We need to enjoy God's love and to not feel pressure, not to have worries because God loves you and he's got everything under control. Don't have to compare yourself with anybody else or compete for attention. God loves you as you are world has conditions and it likes to compare things and likes to compare people to other people. We compare even our children and even our kindergarten. People compare and compete and it's part of the human nature to stamp our authority or superiority to prove that we're somebody smarter and stronger and quicker or wiser than somebody else. An object's value is determined by the price paid for object's value is determined by the price paid for it. And I'll try to demonstrate to you this in a couple of ways. And the whole idea is to value God's payment for us. And it tells us how much you are worth. But you know, people like to ask people about their homes, how much is your house worth? It's only worth what someone is willing to pay or what somebody has paid before. Now, let me show you this picture. Now, who's seen that before? Nobody read about that? What would you pay for that? Sorry? 
Yes, it's paper. Here's a replica. about that size and can we put our hands together for Rosanna that drew that she, she did a really good job compared to what I could do let me tell you that but what this is and what I'm trying to identify this piece of art was this was purchased by somebody in New York in 1940 in 1940 with five other items for $60, $60. In 2002, and you can Google this, you can research this, it was on CNN News, and an historian walks into the museum and he's looking through stuff that's in the maid's room. He's going through this stuff and he finds this and it's about the size of that. A piece of paper drawn with a chalk and he recognises that it was drawn by the one and only Michelangelo. Close. Michelangelo. So how much is it worth now? <laughs> Pretty close. So it's valued to be worth between 10 and $12 million. Why? What's changed? What changed from the $60 that it was purchased in 1940 to, to 60 years later, 62 years later? <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> I think a lot more than that. What the difference between the drawing then and now is nothing. It's exactly the same. The only difference is that the artist is now known. The artist is now known. That's the only difference. So 10 million bucks for a bit of paper, it's worthless. That paper, it, it's a small piece like that. But apparently it's in excellent, excellent condition that is sat there for hundreds of years. We have the touch of the master's hand. We are God's workmanship, the Bible tells us. And you're only worth as much as you've been purchased for, the price that was paid for you. And what was that price? The price was the creator of the universes paid with his own son. So you're worth a lot more than 10 million bucks. Let me tell you that right now. You're worth a lot more than that bit of paper. Sometimes you might have felt ordinary and you might not have felt that you're worth much. And that you might have been unnoticed, like in storage in that room, like that bit of paper was. But that is only a lie from the enemy. That's those demons that was talking about, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, nor angels, nor demons. That's those demons telling you that you're worthless. But he's paid it with a price with his own son. He paid a huge price for you. loving Deuteronomy and if you have any you, 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 you need to be convinced otherwise just look at the cross I love Deuteronomy verse 10 and it's again repeated in the Psalms and it, but the Psalm reference says back to Deuteronomy 10, 32.10 it says he shields him and cares for him he guarded him as the apple of his eye that's how God guarded you. That's how God guards you, like an apple of his eyes. And you know, you try to put anything near your eyes, you straight away, you've you, you got protection there. Well, God 
He's protecting you like the apple of his eye. Henry Ward Beecher said, No man can tell whether he is rich or poor by turning to his ledger. It is the heart that makes a man rich. He is rich or poor according to what he is, not according to what he has. According to what he is. So what are we? We are children of the living God. I sometimes joke and I say that my dad owns everything, every house in this suburb. I tell my kids like that and I say, Dad, my dad owned all of that. And they go, really? Well, your dad owns it too. Your dad owns everything that we see. You're children of the living God. You are rich and you're blessed. Meditate on that and be proud and enjoy it. Live up to your name. Live like you are a child of the king. Could you imagine a child of the king in the olden days when they used to have kings and there was one king of England or any king, just think of that. Matter. You think he'd walk very often with his head held down? He'd be a very proud person, wouldn't he? We need to be proud of our king. God created us to make a difference and to make a difference in this world. He has a purpose. We've heard this many times. We never need to worry about other, what others think of us. We just need to be certain that his love, of his love for us and enjoy the blessing of his love. And finally, point number three. How are we going with time? Point number three, it won't be too long, is we need to give this love away. You know, some of you like going to, to rivers and streams. And if you go to a river and you see the water flowing and the water, it always seems fresh, doesn't it? That water flowing down the stream is always fresh. It's not stale, it's not... It doesn't look dirty, even if it does have a bit of dirt on it. It just flows and it's fresh, refreshing, even the noise of it. Well, you try to cut that off and it builds a little dam and within no time, it feels like there's no life left in that river. And that is like us. We need to use this love and we need to get this love and re refill. That love needs to be refilled. So as we pour it out, as we pour out this love, it needs to be filled up all the time and replenished each time you give it away. And sometimes if we feel miserable and we feel that we don't feel the love of God, maybe we are self-centered, maybe we're self-absorbed, and maybe we are a bit selfish, or maybe we're a lot selfish. And we can start by touching someone today, in this room even, in this church, go a little bit out of your way, just share with somebody and share that love that we have for us. In closing, I'd like to read Jeremiah 31.3. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God continued to show his love in a mighty way for all of us that you may never feel that you're not loved by God. Because that only comes from the enemy and that is something that he's trying to steal from you. He has an everlasting love. His word tells you and that is the proof that you have. And remember last week I mentioned in verse 3 of um, the love of God, the, the hymn. He says, could we with ink the ocean fill? 
and were the skies of parchment made to write the love of God above will drain the ocean dry. He will drain the ocean dry. He will could have to write the love of God because that love that he has for each individual, he's working on each individual's lives. So he's working on your life, on my life, on every one of our lives. So if you had to write about the love of God for everyone, it makes sense, doesn't it? The ocean will dry up. That's how much love God has. May God bless us. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, you are an amazing God. You are a loving God. Thank you that you love us so much, not because of what we do, but because of who you are. Not of what we are, but because of who you are, Father. You love us unconditionally. Thank you, Father, for that great love. And we just pray that we may be able to, 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 to express that love and to share that love with one another, Lord. Just like he says in First John, Father, four times he's mentioned there that we should love one another and express that love that we have so that it gets replenished and refilled. We pray, Father, that you may be amongst us, that you may continue to, to, to mold us and shape us and help us to grow, Lord, that we may be able to share your good news, that we may be able to share that love that you have for us with others around us, to be able to fill that void that's inside. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.